Welcome to the Mother of All Movement podcast with me, Catherine Meadows. I'm a Pilates teacher specializing in postnatal recovery and a mum to two kids myself. The aim of this podcast is to inspire and educate through chats with women who are either working through their own movement journey or work to help women get stronger and recover both physically and mentally after having kids. I want to talk about what they do, how they integrate it into their family lives and essentially why. Because I believe when we share our stories and our values, we lift each other up, enabling every mother to fulfill her body's potential, gain confidence in her power and give our families the best version of us to share their lives with. So join me each week to hear these wonderful women talk about their journey. Hi everyone, just a quick one to all the movement mums out there. How would you like to get something you actually want for next Mother's Day? Well, how about a whole weekend spent with like-minded, wonderful women with movement, mindfulness, nourishing food and connection to nature, all in luxury accommodation? Yes, this magical weekend can be yours. It's March the 7th and 8th next year, 2020. All you have to do is go to my website, which is everydaystrong, all one word, .co.uk and click on the retreat tab and you'll be able to find all the information. If you have any questions, you can just message me through Instagram, uh, which is, uh, my handle is at motherofallmovement or my email and those links are also in the show notes so you can uh, contact me through there. It's going to be an amazing weekend. I really hope to get as many people as possible absolutely nourishing themselves, body and soul, and connecting to themselves physically and through nature. Uh, Let me know if you have any questions. I hope you guys can join. Hi Movement fans, welcome to Series 3, possibly the longest gap between series for a podcast ever, and that's mainly down to, well, life actually. Um, I had a busy working schedule in my studio and setting up my online courses, followed by the school holidays, which as mums, I'm sure we all know what that means. So if you are listening to this, I want to say a huge thank you. The podcast world is now full to bursting with wonderful voices talking a massively diverse range of subjects. And since the end of my series two, it seems like most of the world has now brought out a podcast. So if you are still here and choosing to listen today, I am incredibly grateful. I'm also really grateful for all the five star ratings on Apple Podcasts and to those who took the time to write a message of review. Um, most recently, Bryony Bezos, amazing name, wrote, uh, God, I need this podcast. I'm feeling a bit achy, stiff and miserable after not being able to get out of the house and do much sport. And this podcast has really helped motivate me and realise I don't need to be climbing mountains every weekend to get out and moving in a healthy way, which is a wonderful summary of what these conversations are all about, bringing you inspiration from women just like us about the multitude of different ways we can move and love it. So thank you very much, Bryony. I'm assuming Bryony is the first name there. Um, If you'd like to review and get a little shout out from me, please scroll to the bottom of the page when you are looking at all the episodes listed for this show. 
tap the number of stars to rate and then at the bottom it says write a review where you can tell others what you get out of listening and why you love it. Uh, so thanks so much for contributing to the connections we are making. I love having these conversations and making this podcast, but really it would basically just be me having a nice chat with some nice people if it wasn't for you guys listening wherever you are each week. And so we are on to episode 40 and my guest this week is Sarah Johnson, who I met through the wonderful Nourish app launch earlier in the year, which she contributes to. And in fact, her sessions on the app regularly help me drift off to sleep, which is kind of a weird thing to say now that we are <laughs> chatting today. I'll try not to fall asleep mid-chat. Mid, uh, <laughs> mid uh, the Nourish mission is to support and motivate and inspire all mothers to thrive because they believe that no mother should feel alone on her motherhood journey and with the right tools and support at her fingertips, all mothers can find a greater joy in path, in her path, which is pretty significant because today we are talking on, it just happens to be that we're talking on World Mental Health Day. So uh, that's a real um, huge mission of Nourish to be able to get greater balance in the conversation with maternal mental health. Um when we met and chatted, I was so intrigued by Sarah's story and I wanted to share it with you all today because I think she really helps to dispel the idea that when we have a knockback, it's the end and um, to show us that we can always take action for positive change. So Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks oh. for inviting me. Yes, absolutely. Could you first of all introduce yourself, where you are, family life and what you do, please? Yeah, sure. So, um, hi everyone, I'm Sarah and um, I'm a mum of three. I'm based in Leicestershire in the Midlands and I teach yoga nidra and I'm also a Reiki therapist and also a sound practitioner to the latest string to my bow. Um, so I offer classes and events in my local area in the local community, um, but I also share online practices of yoga nidra and as I just mentioned, Catherine, I contribute towards the amazing Nourish app for mums um, with some restful yoga nidra practices there too, to really support mums through the whole of the motherhood journey. Um, and that really is very close to my heart. Uh, I'm a huge advocate of deep rest. And this has only been probably a recent occurrence for me and probably will go into a little bit more throughout mm. the podcast. But um rest has been a pivotal way into into helping me to cope with um the the different health challenges that arise and different challenges that arise as a mother um so yeah i've i've got three young children and the eldest is eight and the youngest is 17 months so i'm still in that kind of baby stage mm. as well in terms of sleep deprivation and yeah, tiredness and fatigue feature quite strongly in this house with a with a non-sleeper. So the practices that I share, I use in my everyday life. Mm. Um, it's something that uh, my day revolves around, mm. potentially. So yeah, I'm looking forward to um, sharing a little bit more. Yeah, I, I mean, I think think the really significant thing that you were just saying there was about the fact that you have a, a baby who's you know like challenging with uh sleeping mm -hmm. not not being the uh perfect baby with the sleeping mm -hmm. all the way through the night and all that stuff um 
and which obviously I'm joking when I say perfect baby there is no such thing there is no color, you know, <laughs> yeah. blah 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 just making sure that was very clear the the sarcasm there um but but the fact that what you do is talking about rest is so significant because so many people are always women mothers are always told oh sleep when the baby sleeps and stuff like that and you're like well I yeah. have an eight-year-old to go and pick up or I've got to go and yeah. go to this thing at school and uh I've got to also do my work yeah. and then I've got the baby yeah. to look after so rest being able to work out how to wedge rest in rest. rather than the pressure mm -hmm. of sleep is yeah. the thing that's really so critical and 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 you know the really distinctive difference that we need to talk about um absolutely so how did you get into becoming a yoga nidra teacher and reiki and the sound thing are you uh, did you have a career change or have you always been in this kind of world of alternative health? Yeah, well, as uh, well, many people that come into this type of industry around confidential health therapy, alternative therapy, there's always usually um, a personal story mm -hmm. and journey behind that. And um, I've always been interested in alternative practices to support Western medicine, particularly with my own health. Um, but it was a specific time in my life um, during my 30s that really opened my eyes towards the benefits of using alternative therapy to support your well-being, both mental and physical. Um, so I did have a career change. Um, and I guess I've always worked in the wellness industry, if you like. Mm -hmm. uh, my first jobs were linked to sport and physical activity. I did sports science at uni and I followed that into my career, working um, to support people of all ages from early years through to older adults, cradle to grave, they called it, yeah. um, to be physically active and to support their well-being and their health through sport and physical activity. So that that was all I've ever known all the way up into my 30s around supporting people to be physically active. Um, I fun looked at funding, worked with public health, education, charities, the voluntary sector to support a whole range of people in a whole range of different programmes. So sport is all, it's, it's basically always been in my blood. I've always been a very sporty person. And it wasn't until I basically had a huge knock in my health after having children that opened my eyes up to other possibilities in terms of supporting well-being and the health agenda and that knock was arthritis for me and I was diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis mm. um, in my early 30s I was 32 and I'd had my first daughter she was about a year old um, and I've always struggled with physical pain, I guess you'd say, joint problems. I played sport a lot through school, college, university, you name it. And I always had issues with knees and joints and things going on. Never really could get to the bottom of it. Always used to see a physio or an osteopath for support there, but could never really get to the bottom of it. And I think having children then kind of catapulted me into a place that wasn't great um, and it affected my whole body so my whole health system just seemed to crash all around me mm. uh, so yeah this this was really pivotal in terms of 
how I would move forward because it massively affected my day-to-day living. Um, Unfortunately, in between uh, my first and my second child, I had a really traumatic miscarriage, Mm. um, which I've not really shared, actually, much before. It's not something I've talked about. Um, So that miscarriage was like the ultimate thing that then pushed my body over the edge Mm. and I experienced my first huge flare of the arthritis the psoriatic arthritis so you had a month oh wow so you hadn't had a a massive flare-up but you had been diagnosed because you've been having no I hadn't been diagnosed at that point so I'd I'd had niggles ongoing niggles and after the birth of my daughter I'd been seeing an osteopath for various things but things just kept adding problems Mm. just kept cropping up so my knees were hurting and then my shoulder would get involved and then my elbow was involved Mm. and he kind of said to me there's something really strange going on here there's something systematic happening Uh, and I think you should see a rheumatologist Mm. and I kind of just kept brushing it under the carpet and then then the miscarriage happened Mm. and this was in December just before Christmas and um, it was really traumatic in that I unfortunately I found out the day that I was pregnant the day that I miscarried all at the oh same time gosh. so it was um it was it was really traumatic you know I'd had normal cycles up until this point there was nothing for me to 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 realize that I was pregnant at this time and I was also experiencing quite a lot of pain still and then I had this this miscarriage uh, it, was, it was incredibly traumatic for me emotionally and physically, as, yeah. as they are. Mm. And uh, I think my body just shut down into into this kind of ball of pain, swelling, and just complete angst. And a, a month later, I'm mean, still working at this point, mm. trying to work. And a month later, I actually drove to see... Um, a trusted physiotherapist not that I didn't trust my osteopath but I felt like I needed a second opinion Mm -hmm. because I was kind of in denial with what was going on Mm. and drove to see my physiotherapist 45 minutes away I have no idea how I did this journey because I I was literally not able to really move walk lift a hairbrush you know it's that kind of level pain and um he just took one look at me and was like Sarah no this you have to go and see a rheumatologist. I'm writing a letter to your doctor now. This has to be pushed through ASAP. Um, yeah, and that was the moment, a kind of a realization that I thought, oh my goodness, this is real now. This, yeah, this is this is not a good place to be. And so you um, felt like you had needed that def- definitive somebody else yeah, saying to you, someone else, in order for yeah, you to really take it seriously. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. I think there's always a state of denial there when something serious crops up. And I, at this stage, I'd always use sport as um, my stress reliever. Mm-hmm. I got back into exercising very quickly after having my first daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't into meditation uh, at this point. I was not a meditator. You know, I quite clearly remember saying to a life coach that I started working with later on that, Try, don't get me into meditation that's mm. not my bag I don't do that you know I'm sporty I want to be out there doing stuff being physically active so all he, the time they they prescribed you two more hours of meditation because clearly you <laughs> yeah. needed more and more of yeah. it yeah 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 
pretty much. So that, I mean, that was like my, the turning point for me. And I first, yeah. that's how I got into Reiki to start off with. It's a very gentle, nurturing practice. My body couldn't withstand any hands-on uh, physical treatment because mm. of the level of pain that it was in. Um, anything, any touch of any sort, you know, in terms of manipulation through a physio would flare up any more issues that I had. So I looked to Reiki as this kind of nurturing, gentle, soothing practice that would not only support me physically, but also mentally too. Reiki is amazing for supporting mental well-being and just generally making you feel a little bit better. So that's how I got into the Reiki at the very beginning. Um, and then it wasn't until after I'd had my second child and had a subsequent another huge flare-up of arthritis where I ended up on crutches I couldn't walk um, and I still hadn't quite you know for me and I don't think we all ever do but nailed in terms of my self-care practices even Mm -hmm, after mm -hmm. having my second child so yeah I got into yoga nidra after having him and that was a that was a huge turning point for me that was a transformation that I saw in my body um, alongside other other lifestyle choices that I was making with support of some professionals like nutritionalists and then a lifestyle coach at the time to support me around nutrition um, and movement and you know not pushing myself too hard and then introducing more and more rest and that was really hard it was really difficult and and so for you what you'd been doing before you had your first like you, like you said very soon afterwards you've been pushing yourself hard been doing a lot of movement hadn't even considered meditation rest no. was not part of your sort of uh, any sort of practice psyche or regular or your yeah. psyche or anything like that yeah. so so was this a huge struggle for you to get your head around the fact that actually you needed oh, yeah. to just stop and rest Um, and do some mm -hmm. sort of general resting was that was that hard it's really tough um probably one of the hardest things I've done because being active and using activity as a form of stress release Mm -hmm. was the only thing that I'd known take away that ability to be able to move what what do I do Mm -hmm. how do I achieve that how do I receive those endorphins that you get from exercising when I can't do that when Mm -hmm. I can't even walk down the stairs um there has to be a way for me to have some form of release where I don't need to move Mm. and this was it was a massive challenge and you know I was determined I mean I was very low I was in a really bad place mentally Mm. because of obviously dealing with the physical plane but then also as you say the challenge of not being able to do the things that you expect and you take for granted almost because you've done that that's all you've ever known yeah uh so it was a huge challenge and it was something that took me a long time to to get into. My sister's a yoga teacher uh-huh. and she, I can't tell you the number of times that she told me, just try yoga nidra, Sarah. Try, try some meditation, Sarah. And it took me such a long time to grasp the whole point of doing that. Um, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> I finally got there and the difference... Um, you know in terms of resting the body the fact that I love yoga nidra so much is that when you're in physical pain it's very difficult to sit in a certain position or or just to hold your body up um, 
in any way to be able to meditate. And this is like the, the typical meditation is sitting, you imagine it, don't you? Sitting cross-legged with your spine straight. Mm. Find that really hard. Mm. Um, so for me, doing a practice like yoga nidra where you can simply lie down on a bed surrounded by cushions so you're being held was something that was just so soothing and nurturing for me at that time. And it was something that I needed to know that I can I can still meditate, but it's lying down and that's okay, that's fine. Um, and so that's how I got into that. I started doing yoga nidra at home um, and gradually I'd increase the, the number of times that I do yoga nidra in a week. So eventually I started doing it every day. And I really started to notice a difference in not just my physical health, but my mental well-being mm. as well. Um, and just having a little bit more energy, because when you have that autoimmune thing going on, the fatigue that goes alongside that mm. is just, it just knocks you sideways. So this was another avenue for me to try and build up my energy reserves, because I had a young daughter and a um, young son at the time. So yeah. just trying to, to manage them. And, on a daily basis. And so what, did you feel like you've had, um, you know, getting your head around approaching that as a building it into as a, as a sort of practice, as a weekly and then through the week and then daily sort of thing? Were you, mm. were you approaching it initially like you would have done a kind of an exercise program or, or, or starting running yeah. again or something like that? Or did you have to go about it in a completely, did you have to completely flip your mindset about it? Um, there's probably an element of both. I think scheduling it in for me as if you would like you were going to the gym at the end of the day's work yeah. or something was something with, that really worked for me to know that this is my time that I'm going to go and lie down and rest and do a yoga nidra. Um, and I'd do some self-healing in terms of Reiki at the same time then as well. So that was, I guess it was something that I did schedule in, but I get better at understanding that I needed to do that on a daily basis and I yeah. had little prompts all the time from um, some amazing professionals that supported me through this particular hard time especially after having my son a second time I just felt like that was a huge kick in the teeth that I've been trying to manage this mm. and then you know I just had a huge flare-up again but I think the, the the trauma of going through a birth and then recovering and healing from the birth and the hormonal changes that take place there has a huge effect um, on the female body, the human body. Mm. And when your body is compromised in a way, you know, just from having your baby, your, ba your, your, your body is essentially compromised because you're sleep deprived, your hormones are all over the place, throw into the mix um, heavy activity, then you're not allowing your body to rest and relax and recoup and restore and reboot and so that's why I had to find another way yeah to, and, to manage that so um and, and you have you heard this from other women as well is this is this something that you've heard either anecdotally or or sort of out there from other things other women have said because um 
I had a similar, the, the issues that I had followed the birth of my second child. And I just wonder whether, because I have heard it from other women, but I have absolutely no idea whether it's actually something that is a real thing or if this is just completely anecdotal sort of non-evidence. But there's there's the, the idea of postnatal depletion, which is mm-hmm. being talked about a lot more. Um, and that uh, that we need to take that more seriously those sorts of experiences that women have that cannot be linked to to put down to postnatal depression or generalized anxiety or really specific medicalized disorders Mm -hmm. but or syndromes but they're actually something a little bit more vague they're all to do with like you say the massive change in hormones the stress in life the change in life the uh, pressures that we're put under and I, I wonder how much or whether you've had much experience of talking to other women who've had other sort of systemic autoimmune type issues yeah I mean do you know what I I don't think in my network I know of anyone that has gone on to have systemic autoimmune issues after having children but that doesn't mean to say that they haven't um, because I don't think when I first when this first happened to me, I I didn't I found myself I didn't really talk to anyone about it, especially. Mm. And I don't think this was you know in terms of postnatal depletion that you're we're starting to hear more and more about now. I'd never re- really heard of that eight years ago. No, um, yeah, no, not. And at all. also, I you know that I I was really it took me a long time to associate the physical pain that I was under was linked to um, the emotional trauma that I experienced after miscarriage, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's, it's really hard because I don't think women talk that openly because I think there's, well, culture, there's an expectation that um, you're managing and you're coping or that, well. that what you're not coping with is completely normal. That's, no, what, exactly. that's what I thought, was yeah. I thought, well, I'm just totally exhausted and, yes. um, yeah. you know, really struggling. But every, everyone is. I'm sure this is, what is. Everyone, this is just what having two kids is like. Everyone yes. else is feeling exactly the same. And yeah. it's kind of not until I came out the other side of it or had a little bit more of a handle on things or could could put some language to it that I was like actually this is not it's not okay whether or not everyone is feeling this this is not okay because there is something that can be done absolutely and I agree with that I think hindsight is a wonderful thing when you've come through that challenging period and you actually start to feel a little bit brighter there might be less pain in the body um, you have a little bit more energy your mind feels a lot clearer whatever it might be it's not until that point that you actually look back and see actually do you know what i I really wasn't well at that point um, for whatever reason. But when you're in it, it's very difficult to flag up and label as something in particular. Um, And that's what I found personally Mm. as well. Until I started to feel well again, I realised that actually, wow, that was that was really tough. That was really challenging. I was in a lot of pain. Mm. And yes, it's I can see now how how my body potentially got into that state because I wasn't listening to the messages and the signals that my body was giving me. Mm. And so (laughs) did you eventually go and see a rheumatologist? Yeah, I did. I I actually, uh, I was just so desperate, I booked myself in privately to see a a rheumatologist initially. 
um for then I was just so desperate to know what what is going on what what is this called because my my family I mean it's hereditary arthritis in my family you know, my mum has it my grandma had it but it mine was presenting in a different way to theirs mm. so I couldn't really understand what was happening so I went to see this rheumatologist who diagnosed psoriatic um spondylitis so it was in my spine and my hips okay. that's what yeah. that means um but then he said I need to get obviously back into the NHS system because I need to be treated with this um I would re- I need to receive medicine I can't couldn't even think about going for that privately the level of cost associated with trying to medicate um a long-term chronic condition mm. so that's that's that that was just like a meeting with a professional who could almost put something in put label it into a box for Absolutely. me so that I could get it into my head and even start researching well what does that mean I'd never even heard of psoriatic arthritis before yeah um and that you know for me it was really important to understand what that means um for me and then how I can move forward from that yeah so then I was referred into the back into the NHS and it took a long time it took a real long time they were still umming and ahhing about actually is it psoriatic arthritis if it is it fibromyalgia um and eventually my consultant in the NHS he was wonderful he was so lovely and um very very supportive in terms of mental well-being um yeah and then from from that point when I met him he then prescribed me some medication and I did go on you know medication for a while I was on it Mm. um and then I had to come off for various reasons Mm. and I've not been back on it since right okay that was probably five years ago and so, uh, is so is that consultant? Have you been back to see them? And are they surprised that you're not yeah. needing to be readmitted uh, for prescriptions? Yeah, I think I, I go back on an annual basis now, yeah. and um, initially because of the the level of of um, arthritis and inflammation that was in the body, I had a lot of care. Um, during those flare-ups so I was in hospital a lot Hmm. at that time and I was having joints drained I was having injections into the soles of my feet Um, I was having all sorts to try and manage the level of inflammation that was going on in the body at the time Um, and so then to manage to get to a place where I'd controlled the arthritis and the inflammation and I could see from my blood test that things were starting to settle um, but it took a long long time this isn't something that happened overnight for me Mm. Um, it was it was a long process Mm. of um, inner work self-control in terms of what I would allow myself to do physically um, resting every day and also support from a nutritionalist as well um, who was very good at saying, you know, stress release, Sarah, stress release, a big one. Your movement needs to be gentle. She gave me guidance around the food that I needed to eat. And then um, also I made sure that in terms of the stress relief, I was meditating through yoga nidra mm, regularly. Right. So it's taken a long time, but I've, I've just recently had my annual checkup anyway with the hospital. My bloods are all fine. 
And, you know, this is a huge surprise to me because I was very nervous going into my third pregnancy that things would crop up again. Yeah. But here I am, nearly 18 months later. Um, I touch wood, I've not experienced a huge flare up as I have done in the past. That my arthritis is considered in remission. Um, so by that, it means that the inflammation isn't active in my body. The arthritis isn't active. Right. Um, and that I'm managing it by all the ways I've just mentioned um, just now. So I'm really chuffed. That doesn't mean to say mm. that I'm living pain-free. No. Because I'm not pain-free. Right. I, I have pain, um, but it's something that I'm constantly addressing and looking into because when I receive pain in the body, that's kind of, kind of like the last-minute wake-up call that I've something's out of balance, something's out of kilter, and I need to readdress something, so... And uh, and so uh, is how, is it what you found that you have been able to the pain hasn't actually changed, but your um, your response to the pain is what has changed through sort of yoga nidra, uh, your meditation, mindfulness, and things like that. Because mindfulness was um, has has often been used a lot for chronic pain conditions, mm-hmm. hasn't it? Um, mm-hmm as a way of being able to calm your body's response to the pain that you're yeah. feeling. So uh-huh. so do you think it's that? And that in turn has created a sort of a calmer cycle of sort of downshifting? Of... Yeah, um, definitely. I, I really do believe that. Um, I think the practices that I, that I do regularly now, um, it's all about resetting the nervous system. And at times when I was in a huge flare-up, I was massively in the fight or flight system. Mm. You know, my nervous system was in overdrive. Mm. And through these practices now, you know, I'm resetting my nervous system to be in the rest and digest phase a lot more often. Um, And that's really important because when you're under a period of high stress and high alert, you need to bring it, be able to bring your body's system back down into a, a, a peaceful place of calm because if you continue in that place of high stress, then this is when the inflammation will increase. Yeah. This is when you'll start to struggle with anxiety, um, sleep deprivation, you know, <laughs> caused by other people yes. other than your children. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so definitely for me, it's it's been about learning how to manage the pain. Mm. But I, I am in less pain, and that's really important. Yeah. I, I have no swelling in my body, and I'm absolutely, I'm in less pain than I have been in the past, um, when I've just got niggles at the moment. So I'm managing day-to-day fine. You know, I, I go out walking. I might sometimes try and do a little jog walk, that type of thing, but I know that I can't push it too much. Mm. Um so, yeah, and it's just at this stage, I know that the tiredness for me is a massive factor in terms of the level of pain that I'm experiencing. So my daughter, she just, the youngest, doesn't sleep well at all. Yeah. So I'm I'm compromised there already. So trying to be active, you know, potentially further stressing my body is something that I need to try and avoid. So it's the gentle nurturing practices of self-care. So being out in nature using nature as a therapy, being out walking, um, walking the kids to school. I see that as my activity at the moment. And that's okay. And I'm okay with that. Mm. And um, uh, so so you were saying that 
you know, when you first have flare-ups, you're in a fight or flight uh, response. So when you first tried yoga nidra, was then that was that quite a struggle then? Because a lot, a lot of people talk about yeah. sort of doing a normal yoga class and you get to the shavasana bit at the end and they're yeah. lying there just like twiddling their thumbs going, oh my God, I've yeah. got so many things to do and rattling yeah. through their to-do list while yeah. they're just lying or, or down. Or sitting and, out. And yes, exactly. It. Or kind of going, oh, I've got to go. Sorry. I used to be terrible yeah. for that. I'd leave like five minutes early. How mm. awful. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Lots of people do. Yes. Uh, so, so did you find that a real struggle to begin with to be able to get yourself just yeah. to lie down and be able to not do anything for the time I mean how alien is it Mm. sometimes when you're not used to lying down and resting I mean a you feel the guilt of just lying there and you think my goodness I should I've got a huge list of things I need to be doing um but then also the physical feeling of just lying down in the day when you're not going to bed to sleep yeah it was really a really alien feeling to me and I remember that my first class external class that I went to um, I went with my sister and my cousin and um, it was in a period when I was in a, a huge flare-up of um, arthritis. So I've been practicing yoga nidra at home, but these were on my terms, you know, in my surroundings, in my comfort. And I was in a, I was in a high state of anxiety. You know, anything would throw me off kilter in terms of my well-being mentally because of the the state physically that I was in. So I remember going to this class anyway, um, three of us together, and it was my first time going to a class. And so we lay on this floor in the hall and I hadn't taken enough props with me to support myself. I, you know, I didn't know that you needed to be really comfortable. I knew I needed to be comfortable, but I didn't, it didn't comprehend in my head how much I needed to take with me to be comfortable. So I just had a yoga mat to lie on, a blanket to cover me, I can't even remember if I had anything under my head or not. Mm. Um, and I was lying there and I have, I do, and I say this to people that come to my class, you know, my first experience in a class setting wasn't great. Right. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. Uh, I lay there and I was really uncomfortable because lying down for me at the time, unless I was supported by lots of cushions and things, it was quite painful. Mm. And um, I was lying on this hard floor on my yoga mat. And it was the first yoga nidra we did was a 30 minute one, which is quite a long Mm, time for someone that's not done a yoga nidra before. And I was lying there thinking, when's it going to end? You know, when is it going to end? And I looked across and my sister was in her Zen moment and my cousin was asleep, (laughs) like kind of gently snoring next to me. And I thought, you know, why am I not like this? And, you know, all the time. My anxiety, I, I was just on edge. Mm. And I came back, I came round from that. And I thought, you know, I didn't enjoy that. I'm not sure if I can do this again. Um, but yeah, and it was really interesting because in that particular session, everyone sat up and we had a little social chat at the end. And hearing everyone's experiencing, because I was giving myself a really bad time about, you know, not enjoying the session. Yeah. Um, and But it was really eye-opening to see how everyone in that circle there was some really great feedback that you know they I mean all of it was great feedback but mm. you know I, oh, they loved the session they really got into it and rested and they felt energized and revitalized afterwards and I shared my story and um yeah there was there was no one that said well you know that's awful and the, the teacher was really that's okay you know it's okay to be like that and it's very much what I share with people in my class now you know if you're not sure or if you have 
that something that doesn't feel particularly positive that's okay that's just where you're at at that moment in time try again and your experience may be completely different yeah hopefully it should be completely different to the one you had before and I know looking in hindsight I mean I wasn't in a great place um and I was probably still a little bit skeptical as well I mm, guess coming yeah. out to classes and just yeah. lying down yeah so there's, there's definitely that part of it that yeah now I I just I look back on that and that was part of my journey as to where I got to and where I am now and, so and I'm grateful it, for that yes and do you think it was the way that the teacher responded to what you said that allowed you to be able to uh, come back to it again because that sort of experience yeah. could make somebody go yeah it's not for me yeah I'll yeah. just uh, I'll stick to I'll, I'll do something else and Definitely. just and just be like oh yeah I tried that yoga mm. just stuff yeah I couldn't, yeah. Just couldn't cope and with all the lying down do it's it. really uncomfortable yeah. and and yeah. that's it you never go back yeah. to it but because the teacher was so welcoming to your genuine experience did that make you kind of go oh oh okay this is this is a normal a lot of people feel this and b it's all right it's okay absolutely I mean empathy is just it's just nice to be listened to isn't it yeah. when you're in that place yeah. and to have someone to listen not necessarily offer solutions you know but just nod their head and agree with you yeah. there's something very powerful in that and I think that the way that he did that was um, a big catalyst for me to then continue with the practice and persevere, I guess. There was mm. an element of perseverance mm -hmm. in there for me. Um, so, yeah, for sure. I think the way that the teacher responds and communicates with the people in their class is so powerful. Yeah. And that's what I hope I can bring to my classes having been in a place that hasn't been great I think I, I I hope that I can demonstrate that empathy and understanding and you know I'm coming from a place of of love at the end of the day that I can deeply understand where where people are, are at mm, so. that's beautiful and um at what how long how, how you know how long were you practicing for before you decided to start doing your teaching and presumably um mm you you weren't yet t uh, doing Reiki as a practitioner or were you no no, no I wasn't I was still I was still doing my job at oh, right, okay. so um, I was, yeah at this stage job. okay yeah so I was still um I mean I was I'd been signed off from work for a little while because of of the level of <laughs> pain I was in it was mm. it felt like a long time at the time especially for someone that's never really had any time off work it was very bizarre but mm. yeah uh so I wasn't practicing Reiki. I was Reiki using Reiki on myself and my family too at the time. And then I'd only probably been practicing Yoga Nidra for six months, I think, before I saw some training come up with Total Yoga Nidra, Uma Dinsmore Thule and the Lipta Thule. And I decided to go for it. It was just one of those, do you know what that feels? This feels so right yeah. to go and do. And I know that um, because of the experiences that I'd had, this is this is all I wanted to do. This is all I want to share now mm. and to help other people who might be in a similar place to me um, transform their health and well-being mm. through this practice. So that's when I went to go on and do my yoga nidra training with them. And it was it was really powerful. 
Um, and so now you, you you teach classes. You've also got some downloads yeah. on your website uh, for people to buy so that they can have have that at home because because obviously yeah. like normal I say normal yoga that's not really what I meant movement based yoga people are very familiar with sort of either going to a class or doing something online or, or or something similar to that but yoga nidra actually one of the wonderful things about it is it's a little bit like having a mindfulness practice or a meditation practice that yeah. you can do it anywhere ish as long as you're sort of sitting down or still or lying down rather than walking yeah. um yeah. or driving <laughs> or driving uh, or yeah. driving don't do driving um uh, so so that's something that's quite quite good isn't it because it means that you can get it out to people who who would like you said you felt really anxious about going to yeah a group class you'd feel it felt feel a bit silly why am I going to a classroom I'm just going to lie down in a hall with a whole load of strangers and someone's going to yeah. talk to me um yeah. so so having the downloads is a really brilliant thing for people to have and then and then like we said at the beginning you've contributed to the nourish app so um can you just talk a little bit about why you do each of those aspects of your work and why was it important for you to get involved in the work that Nourish are doing? Yeah, yeah, sure. In terms of the Nourish app, it's just such an amazing tool. It's like a pocket library of so much valuable um, information for mums at any journey in mm. your motherhood mm. life. Um, but for me to be able to offer yoga nidra out through that resource is kind of like a dream come true because I'm just trying to share the message far and wide. And I think if in terms of mums and the exhaustion, the overwhelm, the anxiety, all those challenges that come with being a mum at whatever stage you're at, being able to rest and learning to rest is probably one of the most, one of the most important things that you can do for yourself to nourish and soothe that frayed nervous system yeah. um and so I just you know I I really hope through the nourish app that I think I've got five on there I think maybe mm -hmm. six yeah. um but they're for different either stages of motherhood or different reasons I think I've got a short one on there depending on if you're pushed for time um but they give you a nice flavor into a yoga nidra practice you know in terms of a a basic practice to follow that will still enable you to rest and relax quite deeply. Um, but I'm so grateful for having the opportunity to um, connect with the team at Nourish and Sarah at Nourish um, and to be able to share Yoga Nidra through that platform um, because I just I just want to, because I've, I've gone through my third motherhood journey quite recently mm. you know and it's it is so hard it's so hard that that new baby stage and the sleep deprivation and yeah if I can just be there through that app to support one mum feel as if she's being held and supported and nourished at that time when it can be quite challenging um that's really important so yeah I know that's what the whole app is about yeah and I think I think the power of that app is um if somebody just doesn't know where to turn, they have yeah. the, so many options on there to just be able to go, God, I don't yeah. know whether I need uh, meditation or mindfulness or nutrition, or do I need to do a little bit of yoga movement or do I need um, essential oil like aromatherapy? Do I need someone yeah. to talk to me about that? Mm -hmm. All of that is on there. And yeah. 
just to be able to have that kind of experience on on something that we have literally with us all the time and not thinking oh yeah well I need to go I, someone suggested me to that maybe I need to do have some nutritional therapy but I don't know who to go to or you know how do I find somebody and then I'll need to get somebody to look after the baby or do I take them with me or you yeah. know yeah. How do I get there if I go on the bus yes. rather than go drive the car? You know, all of that stuff. And actually, you've got so much information right there. So much. And, mm. and, you know, like you say, your stuff is just right there to be able to help somebody just at the time they're thinking, oh, God, I'm just at the end. I'm literally at the, at the end. Tether. And I need yeah. just to be able to, I know I need to calm down, but I don't know what to do. They can yeah. search on there and just be able to access yeah. that. Yes. yes. Yeah, it's really yeah. powerful very powerful stuff hmm. so for me teaching classes I just I had to there's something about me going out into my local community and supporting people that I live close to you know that I can reach out to and support them through a process of health a health challenge or whatever um and I guess I took from it the same way that I used to organise events in sport and physical activity. This very much was, to me was about getting out there and, and taking it out to the local community. So my classes initially were weekly and I'd hold regular weekly sessions for people to just come and lie down. And I tried to make sure that the class environment was really soothing and nurturing. And this had never been shared before in my local area, mm. I think. I'm the only one that seems to offer um, just yoga nidra classes. Uh, other people had maybe done yoga nidra, as you say, at the end of a yoga right. practice, okay. a movement practice. So they'd probably been aware of yoga nidra before. But to have a whole session dedicated to complete rest was quite bizarre to the local community. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so I offered free tasters, to be honest, in my in my early days. So that people could come and try it and see what they thought. And just have a what is this and weird just, thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and try and understand what it is. You know, and it's an incredibly relaxing and restorative practice because it's calming the nervous system and it's basically helping you flip that switch from being stuck in the fight or flight mode mm -hmm. and shift mm -hmm. into this more restful place. And, you know, if we, as we spoke about, as a culture, we're just not used to resting. We, You know, the... The importance of rest, I don't think, is really celebrated mm. and shared enough. Mm. And so through offering these weekly classes, and um, I had a whole range of people come to the classes, you know, women, men, mums, dads, grandmas, um, and they'd just come and lie. And I'd make sure that they, you know, from my personal experience, I'd basically ask them to bring their whole bed with them yeah. you know yeah. the, the, they had so much kit with them but the, the, that's the important thing is to make sure that you're as comfortable as you can possibly be because yeah. that's going to help your um in enjoyment of the session so yeah that, I guess my classes have evolved a little bit now because um my third child my youngest one she's only 16 months and I'm just I'm just trying to find the balance in terms of you know work and being a mum to my children as well yeah, yeah so at the moment my class is very much a, they're more um, an experience an event experience so I hold monthly yoga nidra nights in my local area oh wow and it's oh, um, it's like you come together as a community to rest and so 
I'm setting up, I have a beautiful space that I share the classes in and, you know, I'm talking about fairy lights and um, soothing music. Um, I've got flowers and chocolates and dates and it's just, just welcoming people in to just have a moment of pause in their day. Mm. And hopefully that will then inspire them to look to introduce more, you know, yoga nidra throughout their week, perhaps through my online stuff or through the nourish app for instance so, yeah yeah it's very much a it's, it's very much a kind of experience in that I just want to hold people in this safe place and to nurture them you know because I just don't feel like that's offered out enough no um, no absolutely and I think something uh, somebody said the other day quite a really interesting comment that I saw someone write the other day was um if exercise is the only way that you help to give yourself uh, control over your mental health or give yourself some space over your mental health, then you need to find another way. And yeah. I was like, gosh, that's really, that's yeah. really affronting. You know, it's really kind of like, it is. it's it like, is challenging. I'm sorry, what? Mm. You know, they, like we'd always yeah. been told, you know, go and do something healthy, get out, move your mm. body, stuff like that. But it suddenly made me go, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because actually, if, exercise is the only way and you are in pain feeling exhausted mm -hmm. you are on your period and completely run down yeah. or yeah. something like that or your kids are sick and actually you can't leave the house but the only way that you normally deal with your mental health is by going out for a run and you can't do it then you need to find yeah. another way and um, I think that's so powerful that actually what you're giving people is a way that is n does not require them to overdo or overstretch themselves or put too much pressure or or feel yeah. the need to, oh, yeah, I've been really good, I've gone for a run or whatever it is that yeah. they feel like yeah. is the right thing to do. You it's know, absolutely. This. It's all about balance at the end mm. of the day. And I'm all for, you know, sport, physical activity. Yeah it goes deep to my core. That's all I've ever known. And I still love it. You know, I still advocate it. There's obviously huge evidence out there to suggest that physical activity benefits our mental and physical well-being, and, you know, the health benefits that go alongside that. But on the flip side, there has to be a balance in terms of how you manage that um, stress release and manage your mind essentially yeah. because you can't as you said that you can't always use sport or physical activity to yeah. receive that release yeah. and I think these days we need to especially with the world that we live in now life is so busy there's so many demands on our time mm. um we've got screens facing us from every which angle mm. um we just can't get away from it we need to find that time where we can retreat back and just kind of come within ourselves draw within and focus on ourselves you know mm. rest is considered indulgent isn't it it still is Massively, you know, it still yeah. can be frowned upon yeah and people still feel guilty about it and I love how Brené Brown uses the analogy digging deep um digging what she she says around dig pressing the dig deep button that's <sighs> it and it's a, like a secret level of pushing through so you're exhausted you're overwhelmed there's too much to do or there's too little time for self-care but we just keep on pressing that yeah. dig deep button yeah. 
you know and, and celebrating if we keep it. pressing that yeah yeah and celebrating and it's selling like a badge it, of honor yeah it's like um, it, it it's perfectly okay so um, i'm so sorry i didn't get back to you i'm so busy yeah, yeah i'm so I'm busy so too busy. yeah so busy yeah. so yeah, yeah yeah we're all so busy yeah of course right exactly. and it's not okay for anyone to go do you know what? I've had a really chilled week. Actually, I yeah. kind of just I spent the afternoon reading a book, and no, yeah. and everyone's like, "Oh my god, wow, how? Look at you. yeah, <laughs> yeah, so exactly." Okay. And I think it's so important that you know if we if we can start to allow ourselves that moment and that pause, then we're teaching our children such a valid um, life lesson. Yeah that you know if if I can show my family that you know mummy's mummy is just going to go off and do a yoga nidra and meditation what listen to music you know just that constructive rest where you're not just watching a tv or scrolling aimlessly on your phone it needs yeah. to be something constructive um for it to have the full benefit but if they can see that and be part of that wow what you know what an impact are we having on the next generation that are coming through because you know, although you know, I grew up in a, a farming family, so it was always just constantly doing, doing, doing. Mm. And you know, I love my parents to bits, and it was just their way of parenting. You know, never really got a chance to rest. No. Um, but if I can show my family, because through my learning and you know my development of a serious health condition has prompted me to learn that actually rest is equally as important as movement, as nutrition, as stress relief. You know, all of these form the, the main pillars of health and well-being. Mm. And if I can share that with my family and also the community around me, then that's that's something that I'll be pretty pleased and <laughs> proud of. <laughs> uh, and, and the idea is that even if you're doing something like that, like you have these events once a month and people take some yeah. some some uh not ideas but some of the practice home with them they do some yeah. at home weekly it sort of then would seep into daily life so you have that ability to yeah. access that calm at other times is that is that also something yeah. that's important yeah definitely I mean when you start practicing yoga nidra on a regular basis um, you will start the first thing that you'll notice is the complete physical restoration so it's almost as if your body just melts and your your body mm. receives all that sleep that you might have lost mm. out on in however many years of you mm. know the children not sleeping or working really hard you know working shifts whatever it might be so that's the very first thing that you'll notice that that complete restoration of the physical body and then as you start to practice more you'll you'll start to see that um your whole approach to life changes just a little and these these changes might be really subtle so you know, as a mum, you might notice that you become a little bit more calmer, that you're less frustrated by the children, you know, that you've asked them, I don't know how many times to put their shoes on to get to school <laughs> uh, without shouting. Um, you know, those those little things, it starts to seep into everyday life. So your nervous system's just resting, and relaxing, and that really impacts on kind of how you approach your you know stressful things yeah in life yeah so it just helps you navigate the ups and downs to be honest yeah um I notice a massive change in myself when I've practiced and I notice when I haven't practiced mm. you know I'm definitely I'm definitely snappier I'm definitely getting frustrated a lot quicker by yeah. by my children 
my husband. <laughs> yeah. You know, this it's just life, isn't it? So if yeah. I can keep that rest and relaxation response going in the body, then everyone around me is going to benefit. Yeah. Um, including myself. Absolutely, absolutely. And you're and you're absolutely right. We all need to be able to um role model for our children multitude of ways that they can help mm-hmm. to manage their mental health and yeah. sometimes for the kids it might be going and having a walk around in the grass or you know touching a tree or climbing up the tree or going for a walk or having a run around or something like that and sometimes it might be walking out of the room spending time sitting down doing some breathing or yeah. going to your own space and spending time doing something really personally nourishing so spending time doing yoga nidra or reading a book or something like Mm -hmm. that so there are many different ways that they can manage the feelings and emotions they have in a more constructive way than flaring it pushing it out Um, absolutely and I I kind of for me myself personally I know because I know I've experienced it I really want to share it with everybody but Sarah and I uh, discussed whether or not doing a a little yoga nidra session during the podcast would be a good idea and we came to the conclusion that because we don't know how you guys listen to this podcast people could be driving or commuting or something like that it might not be appropriate to do it whilst on podcast but I'm, I'm absolutely sure you might all be wanting to just understand what what we're talking about, what Sarah has been just so joyously describing. So if you look on the show notes for this podcast, there's a link to uh, a page on Sarah's um, website where there is a free download of a yoga nidra on there. How how long is the session, Sarah? It's only, it's a 10 minute one. It's kind of like a mini nidra. So it's quite short. Yeah, so a lovely 10 minute nidra that you could do at any time responsibly <laughs> no driving heavy machinery or anything no. like that you know all of that no all of those warnings yeah. but um yeah. uh at a time when you're in, in needing a moment of rest it just gives you access to uh, a short session that can help you understand a little bit more about what we're talking about because it really is one of the most beautiful things I've ever done and uh, I really love Sarah's voice when she's in uh, meditation and teaching mode as well it's um uh, very to me very soothing and and lovely so um oh, thank you oh, um so yeah thank you Sarah like loads because it was just like I said at the beginning your story was so interesting because to me as somebody who's like you were always been about movement it's so um fascinating to hear somebody who's had an experience that I think is quite similar to a lot of other people, a lot of other women, but they maybe haven't mm. identified it in the same way. I'm not talking specifically about the arthritis, but about some yeah. kind of physical breakdown or emotional challenges uh, going around the time of having their kids and and your experience of helping yourself to get through to uh, a more empowering other side of it that isn't just being controlled by somebody else by the sort of medical world that you're actually doing things for yeah. yourself alongside the experience the, your yeah. treatment with them um which is is really important and you know it's a movement practice without moving which uh, is just wonderful for so many people because I don't always want this to be about 
you've got to go out and move you've got to challenge yourself or you know mm. um get out every day or do something like that uh it's um, you know it's doing something for your own uh health and self-care and mental well-being yeah. every day yeah, is definitely. the is the significant thing so um, yeah. thank you so much for sharing everything that you have shared today Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. It's been great to share. And, uh, if people <laughs> want to connect to you, I just want to sign posts and things. You can, I, I'll, I'll put all of this on the show notes as well, but you can um, connect with Sarah on Instagram at connect to calm and her website is the same, connecttocalm.co.uk. Uh, like I said, you can buy downloads on there. They, Sarah also has two on there that are for children one two of them yes. for children two of them yeah two of them for children they're, they're used mainly to support children move into kind of a um a slower pace so ideally before bedtime right. you use those they're 10 minutes long or at a time when you want to change the energy levels yes down a bit you know just dial things down a little bit so they're really soothing practices for I'd say three to eight nine-year-olds depends on how uh, mature your children are but mm. yeah kids are also intrigued by things like that they love they don't even need they don't need to have yoga or meditation or things like that explained to them or persuaded no. to them or anything do they they just no they they're, love they connecting with them. they're, they're so like open yeah. to the the creative side I mean they're quite creative their stories one of them's a journey mm. to the moon another one's around bubbles and they are just so open to it and they love that feeling of um I guess the deep rest that that that, that gives them yeah um and you know I've I share it with my children regularly and they often ask for it before bed, you know, can I listen to a yoga nidra before bed? And it's just a way for them to dial down yeah. and just calm calm the system. Yeah. Especially after a day at school, you know. Exactly. And so much going, going on. Yeah, so much going on. There's, you know, it's that time when you put your kids down to bed and then they come up with 143 philosophical yeah. questions that you need to yeah. answer. So when I'm talking to them, what do you think about? And, and then yeah. my friend so-and-so said this to me today. And what should I say about that? And you're like, really, now? Now is the yeah. time? But it's because yeah. they're you in that time. <laughs> they're yeah. in that time, aren't they? When they just, they, their brains are, are getting ready to soothe yes. down. And we have the same thing, don't we? Our brains yeah. getting ready to yeah. drop down. And then we have this to-do list that starts rattling off inside yeah. our heads. And exactly. they have having the same thing. And it's it's helping all of us to be able to manage that shift yeah and it's such a special thing as well if we can if you can lie down with your children and doing with them Mm. with them it's such a special thing to share together um and it's so lovely to to just experience the yoga nidra together they'll love it just just sharing that moment with you if you're able to I mean, I know it, it adds another <laughs> 10 minutes onto yeah, yeah you might end up waking up about two hours later yeah, but, yeah. Um, I mean the aim of yoga nidra is that you stay awake that's the yes that's the that's the ironic thing but I think you know because we're all so tired and exhausted yeah. it is a great tool to use to help you deal with um, sleep deprivation so I listen to yoga nidra every night to go to bed because um yeah I need to at the mm. moment so, but I practice in the day too, right. if I can. Okay. Yeah, to get then, that rest, so that's, but not yeah, the sleeping. But, yeah. yeah, because it's an, it's enlightening. It's it's kind of, you can use it creativity, creatively. Oh, 
focus creatively creativity <laughs> yeah that yeah that word um too so you can you know you can pose questions and intentions and mm. it's very powerful in terms of you know if you've got any problem solving to do you know practice the yoga nidra see what comes up for you Oh, goodness. It's enlightening, it really is. I wonder how long I can ask it and sit and uh, spend with the yoga nidra with all the problems and questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe one at a time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm still busy at the moment, sorry. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, so like we've mentioned at the beginning and through, we talked about the Nourish app. Um, so yeah. that is available on iOS and Android. And it's from two ninety nine a month, which I don't think I'd realised how, what such good value it is considering. The so much on there. Oh mm. my goodness. And you've just, yeah. uh, they've just loaded up even more stuff. So I know that you've got a couple more things on there than you had in the first version. Yeah. And it's, so easy to navigate which I was so impressed by you can go on and you have a couple of different options of the way that you want to go into it it's either what you need right now how you're feeling right now or you can specifically go and look at go in to search for a particular topic or a particular um area of life that you're wanting teacher someone you enjoy listening to yeah, and it, there is I mean, that so much on there. It's just insanely oh, amazing. It's amazing. Um, mm. So it's it's sort of so much deeper than all of the other sort of self development apps um, that are uh, you know very global and widespread. Um, so I, I really really do encourage people to take a look at the Nourish app, and there is a one month free trial. So it's really easy for you to go and experience yeah. it, and then uh, choose whether or not to keep on going. Um, yeah. Okay. All right, thank you so much, Sarah. That's uh, for you. You're hugely generous for you to share everything today and your work. And hopefully, we will get to see each other again very soon. That would be lovely. Thanks so much, Catherine. Oh, thanks, Sarah. Bye. So that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Do remember to check out the show notes and rate and review the episode. Hop on over to Instagram as well at love underscore movement underscore Sussex to let me know what you think and any comments or feedback you have. I always love to hear from you. Join us next time to hear from a new brilliant guest. <laughs>